<laughs> Welcome to Two Legitimate Podcast. We are here today on one of the last days of July 2023. It's hot in Dallas, Texas, but it is beautiful in Seattle where wide is coming in on the Saturday. I was half expecting to just come into a melted puddle here seeing you. I, it's so hot down there. It's crazy. It is it is hot down here, but you know what? I like the sweat. I like the heat. I'm in. Yeah, I am the opposite. I hate all of that. But it is gorgeous out here in Seattle. Summer in Seattle is the best. It's so great. It is good. It is great. Uh, August is coming up. Uh, last couple days of July. I understand before we get into our snack time, Wade, our snackings. I imagine that you had a birthday recently. Did How I, was your birthday? I am older now. And no, it, it was fantastic. Thank you for asking. No, you we, turned uh, 51, right? 60. I'm 63 years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I ended up, I, my family, my wife and kid treated me to a Mariners game. They surprised me with, hey, we got tickets to a Mariners game. Plus, pregame, uh, doing a whole stadium tour and getting to kind of go behind the scenes, look at the press boxes and all the suites and all that stuff and all the cool areas. And it was so much fun. I loved it. It was great. Awesome. Did you did you finally lose your virginity on your birthday this year? A, a, a gentleman never tells such things. <laughs> so that's a no. <laughs> now. <laughs> no, you, you've been out to a Mariners game out here before. You've uh, you've graced me with your company once before. And I got to tell you, I've been I haven't been to all the ballparks. I've been to like three or four of them. Seattle's ballpark by far has the best food of any ballpark food or ballpark I've ever been to. I agree with that because I still think the best sandwich I've ever had in my life is at the Seattle Mariners game with you. It was that that pulled pork banana pepper sandwich. Jesus Christ on the cross nailed it in every way. I don't know why we had to get all sacrilege and blasphemous into thing, but yeah, it was an amazingly good sandwich. But can I tell you, sir, I have a new thing, a new thing. Dare I say better than that sandwich? It's going to blow your mind when you come back out here. I'll take you there. Well, what is it? I know I'm trying to build that anticipation. I want to see the salad. I want to know because that sandwich changed me, bitch. It did. And now you're saying there's something else new. I know that this beautiful young man here in front of me loves a Detroit style pizza. That is true. That is true. I there at the at the ballpark, they have this Detroit style pizza place. Basically, it's it's an offshoot of what they have in town. They have one in Seattle. It's called Moto Pizza. Moto Pizza has a three to four month wait list to get into. You can't just go drive up to this pizza place and get one. You got to get in line and get in there. They have a Moto Pizza set up at the ballpark, and you can go there and just get a get a couple. It's like a, it's like basically what I would say the size of it's like two slices, so half of a Detroit pizza, right? And my God, my God, it's amazing. It is so, so good. It, it's one of the best things I've ever had. One of the best pizzas I've ever had for sure. But Better than Via 313 in Austin? 
I'm throwing down the gauntlet and saying, yes, it is. And I'm talking about, I had, because at 313, we had it fresh out of the oven at the restaurant doing the whole thing. I'm having stuff that was sitting in a ball a box at a ballpark pulled out. I enjoyed it more. And I'm telling you, this thing is amazing. It's going to change you. Okay. I'm, I'm going to look up this Moto Pizza. It's amazing. And I'm excited you, now. What did you have? What were the toppings? It was called a pissed. Um, it was like pepperoni, sausage, onion, I think. I, I, I can't remember the exact toppings list, but it had like this hot honey drizzle going on on it. And my God. My God. <laughs> it changed me. It, 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 that's partly how I became it. That's, that was part of my evolution to man on my birthday. My going from child to man. <laughs> that, that pizza was a part of that journey all right so you say you would have had a good birthday yes it was great a good birthday for wade very excited about you happy birthday thank you thank you so much i appreciate it it's like it's, do, it's a good do, time for reflection and i feel like i have a lot of blessings and friends and loved one around me that even though they might not be approximately close like yourself um your phone call and a zoom away and i feel blessed do you feel younger or older because i see lots of gray here and is it because you're getting older or is it the the facets of life doing that to you i think it's a little column a and a little column b and you kind of smash those together <laughs> i mean the thing is you know i have a little one as you're full aware and i believe that he's sucking all my life force out of me and it's what partially pulling this <laughs> but you know i i'm trying to do my best to just bring it in natural you know and let it look good you know i i feel like ever uh, you know a little inside uh inside this brain i've always been jealous of like silver haired guys ever ever since i was young like in high school i wish i had like silver hair i thought it would be rad like like an x-men character or something but but um but so, and folks that grade and went silver early, I was oh, oh, extremely jealous of. So now I feel like I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to see little hints of it, and I'm very excited about it. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you're going to be a distinguished gentleman, maybe. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if we could ever kind of go that far. I don't know if I'll ever be distinguished or a gentleman, but I'm going to do my best to try and at least look the part. That's the best we could do. Respectable until I open my mouth and then just prove everybody wrong. <laughs> All right. It is wide in Brian's time today. Snack time number three. Very, very happy about this because there's like a pattern going on here. And I hope the pattern keeps going, y'all. Uh, wide. What did we get today? What did you get today? What is this story? Did you you went to a crazy story, right? I don't know what you're doing. So, out here in the Seattle area, there's a few places. One of them, uh, the, I went to this store. It's called Daiso, and basically, are you familiar with this? Have you heard of Daiso? I have, have not. Few, yeah, they have a few of them in the U.S., but I think it's mostly on the coast. Um. The best way I can equate it is it's kind of like a Japanese dollar store, right? And so everything's kind of cheap. Everything's in yen on the packaging and everything. So you have like a chart here where it's basically a, a, a Rosetta Stone or a Cryptex trying to decipher 
what the pricing means where it's like if it's between so much and so much yen it's a dollar if it's one level up it's two dollars whatever right and so they have a fun little food section there where you can get all sorts of weird snacks and stuff i i ventured over to the section and i saw something i've never had before i saw something i've never seen before and i picked it up are you ready to see it I'm ready to see it. I cannot wait to see what you pick today because we're we're dealing with Russian crab chips and then mini coaster hot dog chips. I picked up this. This is Koikia. And most of this is in uh, Japanese. Uh, Palinki Crunchy Triangle is in English and it says corn soup flavor. So... I got corn soup flavor crunchy triangles. Okay. I mean it looks like it it, it looks like it's very basic. It's corn soup flavored. They're like corn chips. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm more excited about this than you are. Is it because I, I mean I didn't check the expiration dates because that's kind of how we do things here. Well, we gotta check an expiration date. I don't see an expiration date on here, which is not a great sign. So, original corn snacks, Polinky, and that looks like the chip is the mascot with legs and arms and eyes. Like a beret. Or something. Oh, he's a beret. Is this French? I, I don't know. I do have an expiration date December 19th of 2023. Mm -hmm. Yo, it's not expired yet. Big ups to Daiso, by the way. Always bring it in the fresh snacks, sort of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I'm more excited about this than you, but I'm totally good with that. Let's, shall I open it up and we'll see where we go with it? Yeah, give it a, give it a tug and, <laughs> um, and smell it. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, God. It is extremely corn forward. I mean, it tastes, it, it smells like, um, like, like Fritos? No, like a fresh corn on the cob sort of smell. It smells like corn on the cob. I don't know if I, ew. Yeah, I mean, no, I like, ooh, buttery corn on the cob. I like roasted, like off the gr grilled corn on the cob, like, like a corn that you would get at the amusement park or something like that. It's it's I, I'm I'm telling you, it's weird because it's coming out of a bag of chips, but I'm finding if I if I close my eyes and I don't think about this being in a chip form for a second, like it's some just chemical dust on here. It's a very pleasant smell. It's like, oh man, I'd love to go have a bite of you know some corn on the cob off the street right now. But knowing that it's coming from artificial corn, it, it's kind of concerning a little bit here. All right. What do you think? Should I try it? I think you should try it. I think it's going to taste like a Frito. A Frito scoop. There's one. Oh, is it puffy? It's, it's like a, um, you know what, it, it, the, the texture of it, it's kind of got little holes in it. I, it might be hard to tell, but. Um, like rice checks. Exactly. It's kind of like a corn checks or rice checks sort of thing in a triangle form and smelling like corn. I All right. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go big and have a few of them. All right, ready? Oh, wow. <laughs> it, 
it tastes how it smells. It tastes like corn um, on the cob. It tastes it's it's close to like a buttery corn on the grilled corn on the cob sort of thing. I'm it's it's throwing my brain off, right? Because it's like it's not the texture. It's not there's no moisture. It's it's like because normally when you bite into it, you have that sweet corn kind of popping and stuff. This is sweet. It's it's a sweet thing going on here. So do you think if you had that sweet, if you added some cayenne pepper, some spices to that bag of chips and mix it all up, it would be better? Or would it go well with the dip? I don't know. I don't know. That's a great with question. With a creamy dip. This is why you're a goddamn professional. That's a great question. Let me ask you it right back, though, before I answer do you throw, if you had like a bag of Doritos, do you throw some dip on that? Cause it's got like a powder thing on it, right? Do you, do you take like a flavor chip and dip? Like, would you dip like a barbecue chip and dip? No, no, I wouldn't either. Um, I don't know if it would be good or not though. It feels like, but I, when you say corn on the cob, people put spices on corn on the cob. They, uh, they might even do like the elotes cream sauce on it. So I don't know if that would be good with that. I feel from a flavor perspective, I absolutely think if you could figure that out, that'd be awesome. A corn salsa. Yeah. No, I'm... I'm Would this a... be good with a beer? Oh, another great question. Um, I think so. The, the, the one concern I have is it, is it is sweet, which normally I don't... I don't normally do sweet stuff with a beer. Like I normally do like kind of salty or spicy sort of thing. Do you, do you like sweet stuff with a beer? So I don't drink beer anymore. So well, that's how you look so goddamn good. <laughs> <laughs> but what, when you did. When I did drink for the beer, I like spicy shit with my beer. And it helped me drink salty, spicy stuff. Like if I had popcorn or chips, I wanted it spicy and salty. And that where I drink, I drank more. If, if, you, if they, I'll, I'll put it this way. If they had a spicy version of this, I think it would be great. Okay. So, would you buy that again? I think so. I don't know when I would eat it, though. The problem is because it's like, because it's like one of those where... You know, because when I think about when I'm buying a bag of chips or something like that, aside from this, whatever this is, I don't even know what this is anymore. <laughs> but I, I, when I'm buying a bag of chips or something, it's generally like a road trip food, right? Where it's like we're going, I'm going on a long car ride. That's when I buy like a bag of chips. And here, I wouldn't be getting these on a road trip. I'd rather just get a bag of Doritos or something like that. But I mean, but I... If somebody got these, I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, they're all right. So overall, I'm going to give this, what have I been judging on so far? A five-point scale? So a five, but we can up that to a 10 because your crab chicks, your crab chips were a 0.5 out of five, and the other ones were a two out of five. So a one, a, a, so a one out of 10, I stand by that. And the, and the other one was, what I say, two out of five, so like a four out of 10. Um, I'd say three and a half, four out of 10 sounds about right for those. I'm going to give these a solid like seven and a half or. Oh, seven and a half. That was more than I was expecting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's. Wade likes his corn chips. I, I like corn soup flavored things. I don't even eat corn soup. You don't eat corn chowder? I would probably enjoy some corn chowder. That, that sounds really good, actually. 
but um, no, no, I don't. If okay. I'm chowder, I gotta go clam chowder, right? Right. And out here they have a good smoked salmon chowder. Yep. Really into that too. You a chowder guy? Do you? Do you do? I love chowder? chowder. I love chowder. You do corn chowder? I have eaten corn chowder, and I like clam chowder. I've eaten corn chowder before, but it's not my go-to. I think that if it was on a list of like five. I'm not a soup aficionado or anything. But if corn chowder was on a list of like five soups, it probably be wouldn't be the one that I would pick. Okay. But you know, that being said, again, it's not my go-to, but if somebody brought it from me, like, yeah, yeah, thanks. I'll have some corn chowder. So this corn chip, this the what is it called again? Well, no one knows. I mean it's in Japanese, right? It's it, up at the top it says palinky. So So this palinky corn soup flavored chip is your favorite so far out of our snack challenges. Well, on the back here, I'm wondering if this guy is Palinky, right? Because, oh, okay. Well, and on, on, on the other side, there's like a brand name on it in the top left. But if you look there, there's like three Palinkies. Yeah, three Palinkies. <laughs> oh, it's imported by from Los Angeles, product of Taiwan. Look at that. Yeah, but the brand is Koikia. 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 Japan since 1953. So this is a, some established stuff here. This is this is some real old And it's school. not expired. I mean, you know, you may be disappointed, but I feel like I just won the Mega Millions right now. Where I'm, a, <laughs> you don't feel like you're gonna die, sir. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Though you know, you never know. But <laughs> it's not. I'll. Uh, yeah, it's, it, this has been a much more pleasurable experience than our uh, adventure with the crab. The expired, crab chips. Expired Russian dissident crab chips. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can find something out of war-torn Ukraine at some point. And, you know, I can't and, wait. You know, it's great, though. I mean, so, yeah. No, I'm, I'm thumbs up. I'm glad, I'm glad you picked well. You chose wisely today. How about you? How, do you feel confident in your choice? No, I do not, sir. Oh, how the tables have turned. My how the turntables have turned. <laughs> Delicious, isn't it, everyone? No, so you're, you're, I'm, I can't wait. Can you tell me your story? Yes. So I'm at this market. And I'm going around and I'm just like looking for stuff. I'm just like, I'm doing these snack challenges now. And I'm thinking to myself, I need to, because I feel like I'm torturing wide. And I think that I need to step up my game because I've heard from some of our audience saying, wow, you're getting by Scott Free. Wade's really in this and you're not. And I'm like, what? And so I don't know what to do. So I kind of picked out something that scared me. But it might not be scary. I don't know. I saw it and I was like, oh, God. Okay, let's do it. But you it, it, you know that it scares you personally. Yeah, something I would not eat. So before we see this here, we're, before you share what you got, when you saw this, was it at a store, like on a shelf or something? Yeah, it was like on a shelf on the very bottom level. 
So it was on a shelf at the bottom level, and you're kind of hunched over, ass out, to try yep. and look at. No, no, I don't. I never go ass out. I mean, only in certain places, but like I, I bend my knees. I, I, I bend the knee. I'm confident that you, that caboose is out there, even if you're bending your knees. But let's just keep going for a second. <laughs> you got two, you got a lot of cushion pushing working back there. I'm loving every second. Don't you know? You don't get to see it enough, but it's great. All right, yeah. Thank you. So you're down there. You're bent down. But at the knees, and you're and you it crosses your eye line, and you pause for a second, and you see it. Did you second guess? Did you say like, "Oh, that would be good," but no, I, I, there's no way. But then you said, "Well, come on." No, it was the devil and the angel, fifty fifty. Don't be a pussy and eat it. Don't ruin your stomach. <laughs> That's what it was, and I, you know, always go with the devil. Satan. And so I did it. <laughs> well, I got to see what the devil made me do here. Can you show? We'll show and tell. Again, this is something I would never pick out. It is smoked licorice fish from Sweden <laughs> in just like a brown bag. <laughs> I don't know what to think. Isn't there, oh God, what is that Swedish dish where it's like that, it's like herring or something that sits in like rocks? Are you familiar with this? Yes, this? I am familiar with that. And this has come from the connoisseurs that make that, that we have smoked. It's from Malmo, Sweden. Smoked licorice fish. Now, this, sir, is bold. I love it. I love it. Because... I would have had the, been torn similarly because I'm not a big fan of licorice at all or anise flavored things. Me neither. <laughs> and combine that with what I'm going to guess is a fish jerky of some sort. I don't know. I have no idea. You got licorice fish jerky. Hopefully, hopefully. I can't wait. It's this is crazy. So the it's best before September 1st of 2024. So. We're, we're, we're in, we're in there. Yeah. Lots of stuff. This contains coconut. <laughs> oh God. I don't, I don't even want to open this. That goddamn bag, Kluger. You open it now. I can't wait for this. This is fantastic. You, sir, you're already getting the gold star of the day like a wax packaging i'm having well, trouble oh there we go game we're playing now where they're oh i can't open the bag everybody i guess we're gonna have to skip this section oh i think it's like gummy fish but like hard gummy fish okay it <laughs> it's so you know when sometimes if you have a dog um, and you go to the pet store and they have like the dried fish treats. This is exactly what they smell like. It's just all fish punching you in the face right now. Yes, it is like that dry fit, like uh. <laughs> oh god, you black fish bitch. Okay, so is any sort of smoke or licorice on the nose? Yes, yeah, so definitely smoke and licorice. They, they do. They look like little gummy things. Are they hard? 
I think they are gummy. I think they're they're bendable. Oh my God. Now, like it's yeah, it's it smell like it has a smoky flavor. Like it, it does have or a smoky um aroma and definitely a fish aroma. I, I'm telling you, I have vivid memories of bug and going to uh, the store for her at the, the pet store and always seeing the fish treats and smelling them and they smell exactly the same yeah for all those that don't know bug is is brian's dog and uh, oh my yeah. god it what if what if i told you that i'm actually wade from the future that traveled back in time and this is how you got introduced to your most favorite snack in the world that oh ooh, that'd be awesome i i really hope this is my favorite snack confident it will be so it's it's black licorice there's so there's sugar glucose cornstarch ammonium chloride licorice natural flavors carabuna wax oil and coconut so i'm expecting this to taste like a gummier candy corn <laughs> all that is like gummy gummy ingredients and then the natural flavors must be where they're just dumping a bunch of fish guts in there for you enjoy yourself Oh, God, it does not smell good. But it, it is, I mean, you first smell fish, <laughs> and then you, and then the licorice takes over. You have a, here, let's dig in. We have a top note of fish on this. <laughs> and then you have some underlying base notes of just good old-fashioned anise. Yep. And then there's their smoke in there, too. So you said yep, smoke. Yep, yes, definitely smoke. When you're saying fish, is it smoked fish that you're smelling, or is it three distinct things? Smoke and fish. And, three and distinct fish. things. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I say there's no time like the present. Quit your damn stalling and get in there. Fish go bye-bye. <laughs> this is not good. Well, you can. You can oh, my God. Pepper. You got to have one more to just try it real fast. Because it's like you're only getting it in half the mouth. You got to get the other half with all that flavor to make sure that you're really capturing the full thing of it. I yeah. am writhing in my seat right now. Now, are, are, is, is all three of those tastes still coming through? Or is there one that's just kind of dominating? It's like real salty and gross fish taste. And then the licorice took over. It's so gross. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> this is not good. Hmm. Well, so the jury's still out. Should we have one more just to see if what no. we're thinking? <laughs> That's not happening. Fuck this bag. <laughs> well, we have some. It's like getting worse. <laughs> it's, it's lingering. The what? It's lingering. It's lingering. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to taste this later. Will it roll on the palate? Yeah. I think I need something. You need a water, buddy? <laughs> I feel like it'll make it worse. Yeah, we'll swish it around with your. Artisanal water here. It's like, okay, 
swishing the water around actually washes it away. <laughs> oh, it's still on my teeth. I could taste it. That was way worse tasting than it was smelling. Ew. <laughs> oh. So what are you That was so disgusting. I can't even do another one. So what are we gonna do with the bag here? Are you just tossing? Are you gonna give it to some friends and family and oh I would love to say this is my favorite snack. You have to try this and give it to people. I think that was not good. How is this a snack? Ooh. Like, who who had this and was like, oh yeah, we can make this into a fun little gummy treat? The fucking Swedes. I don't know. What do they know? <laughs> this is pretty, pretty cold up there. Oh, it's in my teeth. Oh God. I feel like Ace Ventura after he kissed Einhorn. I gotta go wash out my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well so i feel like you know part of this is definitely the crab chip experience but i almost feel like we may be elevating to where you've now taken the prize when we what do you think do you think you've now had the worst thing so far of the snack challenge yes yes bitch because i'll tell you why your crab chip went down easy it's crunchy and it goes down this shit is still in my teeth and mouth because it's a gummy and i still taste every inch of it <laughs> that is what she said so <laughs> this is so gross i'm still smelling it why am i doing this to myself well Ew, i don't think i can do another one that was so gross when we started this conversation and you were shit talking my corn chips and I'm just like, what are you talking about, bro? I have no idea what's going on here. This could be terrible. Now I get the baseline of where you were coming from, where it's like, okay, you feel like I'm swinging for the fences and then waves trying to bunt. And it's like, I get that. I get that. Okay. The gauntlet is laid down. Clearly I need to up my game. <laughs> it's, uh, I just want, Mm -mm. God damn it. <laughs> so, everybody, do not get smoked licorice fish from Sweden. That's gummy. I didn't taste coconut whatsoever. Bullshit. I like coconut. I like coconut in my water. I like coconut in my dessert. There's no coconut in here. I give this a 0 out of 10. Fuck you, Sweden. Is the two legitimate snack challenge going to start a goddamn international conflict here? <laughs> Swedes, help me out. Why do you like this snack? What's up Dude. with you, Sweden? Malmo. Am I even saying that right? Who lives in Malmo? It's gluten-free, it's vegan, and natural and artificial flavors. Whatever the flavor it is, is shit. I don't know if that's artificial or not. I didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're going to start getting some phone calls here from people that that's their favorite snack in the whole world. You're just really shitting on them here. Malmo fish smoke. Ew. 
I'm crying <laughs> over here. You got me in a, in a place I wasn't expecting where I'm, you got me emotional. I got you emotional. You expected me to have like a nice decadent little chocolate treat. Well, I'm, a, I'm expecting a little past his precedence here. And then it's like, now I feel like the challenge has been laid down and I got to go really up my game here. I'm going to go find, see if I can find something shittier than your, what was it called one more time for me? This was called smoked licorice fish from Cole's fart. <laughs> it tasted like a fart, like a cold, wet fart. Well, and the thing is, it's like they don't sell enough to even brand it with a name. It's just the description is what it is called. It's just smoked licorice fish. Oh, God. Oh, don't spill out. Yeah, just dump them all on the ground and then, you know, just Pac-Man just kind of munching along. Man, I'm going to a birthday party tonight and I might put these in a plastic bag and just tell everybody they're like edibles and they're not and just say like, yeah. <laughs> and like they'll get through it because they think they're edibles. Oh my god. The that would be amazing. And it's like, hey, you got to you got to you got to run through the fire if you want to get the the praise on the backside of it. That it's almost like a dare challenge edible gummy thing you could set up here. That's a whole new business model. We're setting up patents. Let's set some patents up. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, my God. Wade and Brian snack challenge number three. I fucking lost that. <laughs> you are the biggest winner so far. I think that right now you, sir, have the champion belt for this snack challenge and it is my job to try and win that belt back sir okay yeah okay okay i get you i feel you champion right here b j k it's up to you wade to get in i don't know if i knew that your initials were can i just call you bj from now on because i think <laughs> you can not... you didn't know you my want... middle name huh you didn't know my middle name I don't know. I at this point I probably did, but I didn't put it all together in my head where I could just be calling you BJ the whole time. <laughs> anybody ever call? Did you have BJ as a nickname growing up? No. All right, just just a passion hobby of yours. Oh you know well, I mean? yeah. Ever since I was little, loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, snack challenge time. Let's go. Let's move on. Let's get to our, our main debate, our topic of debate. Uh, Wade Wade brought a lot of issues in here. Um, we're going to talk about it. I think one of them. So, you know, we've been talking about AI. We've been talking about strikes uh, since our last episode. The actors, the Screen Actors Guild has joined the writer's strike. And it's thrown everything off. Wade, you had a couple of good questions about that because the writers are on strike and now the actors on strike. The actors and the writers can't promote any of their work. Uh, they can't go to premieres. They can't do red carpets. They can't do they do a lot. Uh, they're not they're not making movies. They're not acting in movies. They're not writing movies. So uh, where does that lie? Where does that lie in television and film? And the question is, 
can actors or writers or TV hosts on a game show or a reality show still do stuff? And that's a no, because these reality shows have writers um, and hosts and stuff like that. So I don't know where that lies. I, I honestly don't know. So you had a good question about this. Yeah. You know, kind of laying the groundwork, though, before I get to the question I had for you was, um, as we talked about previously, I think that the Screen Actors Guild joining the writers is the best case scenario for the writers. Um, where, because, and it's not to say that, oh, hey, if the Screen Actors didn't join, that the right, that more stuff could happen. But, you know, just the nature of people, people you know, there's a lot, especially in America, but around the world are celebrity hounds, right? They just love celebrity and famous people and that sort of thing. And the screen actors are the public faces, right? It's like, you know, the visibility of the strike became much bigger and you when you see famous people talking about it now. Um, and the news is more likely to cover it because the famous people want to talk about it. And so I think that the best case scenario for the writer, I don't know if it's going to accelerate the timeline necessarily because one of the things that I heard about when that was going on was that the, the right the screen actor strike was actually going to happen a few weeks earlier, but um, there was some sort of deal struck of kind of delaying it because that was kind of stated from the uh, studios because they said, hey, we're making some good progress. And so the Screen Actors Guild said, OK, then we'll kind of hold on a little bit. We won't strike right away. We think we're making good progress. Let's delay it a couple of weeks. Um, and then a, couple, a few weeks later. They came back and, 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 you know, I heard one of the leaders of the union, Brand Drescher, she said, they didn't change a, a thing. And to me, that little fact kind of ties all of our recent conversations together, in my opinion. Because what that means to me is that the studios were bullshitting, saying, yeah, 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 just so they could drag out another two weeks of actors going around the world to tout Oppenheimer and Barbie movies because you saw like the mark the, the push where you could not get away from the Barbie promotional stuff with them out there talking about that and everything going on and so to me the studios were like yeah 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 we'll, we'll talk about all this stuff just so they could keep the actors out there promoting that summer movie thing that was their last big push and then they're like okay yeah fuck it no we're not going to do anymore and just kind of put that on let so I think it was a to me Without having more context, of course, because no, none of us are in the room. I'm just guessing and speculating here. But I think it sounds like some underhanded shit that was going on here, where they were just kind of... Because um, like I have heard that some studios are just really throwing out crazy... They, they, I, I can't remember who, but I saw an ad out there that one of the um, studios is uh, posting a job posting for an AI programmer and paying some ridiculous salary of like, you know... 900 grand a year or something like that where they're really just trying to see if they can turn the screws on accelerating that program yeah it's it's crazy so right now what we're seeing is a lot of movies have already been taken off the shelf this year and pushed till next year because there's nothing coming out next year right now uh because of this and so instead of releasing everything this year, they're trying to wait till next year to have stuff for studios to make money on. Um, 
but I don't know how that's going to work if this strike goes on for so long. And then with the AI, now the studios are saying like, we can replace all of you with AI. And they're going to find out very soon that that's not going to be the case. They're going to... think that... I think that the answer is probably in the middle. I think that they will be able to do some and not some other things, right? And I think that that's going to... It's going to be very interesting to see where this lays out. Because I think that in the end, where this is going, everyone loses. Because I, I don't see how... Um, in these sorts of standoffs where everybody's kind of pointing a gun at each other, no one wins, right? You have to kind of, how do we, how do we make things mutually beneficial for everybody instead of right now, everybody's treating it like a hostage negotiation where, how do I, how do I get everything I need and get out of here with as least amount of damage as possible? Instead of well, saying, it's, it's, how it's greed. It's greed. I mean, take a look at the UPS strike. Like they were going to go on strike the last day of this month, but UPS came and said, we're going to give the workers what they deserve. And here you go. And no strike for UPS. Cause that would really fuck things up for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Why doesn't Hollywood follow suit? Why these Hollywood studios that are constantly saying they make, hundreds of millions in profit every quarter they can't say hey have a fraction of this profit to buy your groceries to live a like a normal life in los angeles well it's kind of something we touched on in one of our previous conversations here because you're partially making an ethical argument right and it's like it's when when somebody's focused in on dollars and cents, the ethics don't weigh into the equation, right? When you're trying to do a cost benefit analysis and return on investment, that ethics number doesn't fit in there so much on a lot of people's calculus. I personally think it should, and we can talk about evolving people business thinking. There's a there's a movement going in business to where folks are trying to evolve it uh, from the focus of business being shareholder value maximization to stakeholder value maximization. And I think that if they had more of that mindset, and we can talk about that in detail later, but the point being that if they change that mindset, I think that they'd come around a lot easier to where you're at. But if your focus is, how do I improve my share price? How do I make sure that I'm, you know, cause I'm getting paid a lot by shares and all that stuff. So basically I'm getting all these returns and, you know, they're, they, they view, I think partially they view writers and like it's the, the, the media that's output is just an output. Right. And it's like, Hey, I'll, the inputs are less important, you know? So it's like, what can I do to just, if I can find a new input stream, right? Like if you have, you know, I mean, if I boil this down simple, the simplicity, it's like, I have right now a supplier saying they're not going to send me any more widgets for me to make my product. So therefore I need to find a new supplier. Is there? I have a I have a bad supplier. I mean, in in the studio's mind, that's what's happening here, right? And you're you're right in that we're talking about people, and industry, and art, and creativity, and things that have uniqueness to it. But they're speaking two different languages, right? That I think that's where the disconnect is: is that one's focused in on how do we make the best art we can, and get it to the masses to entertain people, and the other one's like. How do I make a good business? And it's like, those are two different conversations. And that's why that gap isn't getting bridged. Right. But I think if this AI thing takes off 
and they start to do that, I think everything, nothing will come out because every actor and writer will sue the studios for so long that they won't be able to release anything for likenesses. They'll just, well, they'll just come up with artificial likenesses. They'll just have an amalgamation of a hundred different actors. They'll just blend enough actors together because this is all going into, this is new areas of law to some extent, but you can base it on old areas of law when you're talking about like uh, music, for yes. example, right? When you talk about sampling, I think yeah. that I think that the cases that you're talking about six years from now are going to reference all the music sampling cases and say, hey, we're just taking little snippets of this likeness and that likeness and that like and, that, 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 that. and I'm mixing it all together into one um, artificial amalgamation. And this is not this isn't recognizable to any one person anymore. This voice, this face isn't a person. It's not real. It's it's a combination of thousands of people, you know, and, and they'll just do that over and over again. And to me, it sounds like kind of a strong argument. I don't know. I, I, and I, I don't because I, like partially here, too. The more this strike goes on, the more it helps the studio, because in the end, when the more people get starved of content, of good content, especially, they'll take any shit that comes out. So yeah. the whole thing, it's like even if artificial intelligence scripts are if you can demonstrably show that they're five times shittier than what's coming out today, people will still take it because it's the only thing out, right? It's like if you're if you're if you're dying of thirst in the desert, a thimble of water would be comforting. No, yeah, it's uh, it's so frustrating. And so you asked about Big Brother one of my favorite reality shows, Big Brother. And Big Brother is a reality show where it's regular people like you and me, they audition to get on a show that lasts, you know, two months uh, or three months. And they're all, all these people are put in a house and it's all real. There's no script in there uh, for Big Brother, but Julie Chen, the host and the announcer there's a script like there is a written script for them. So and you could say Julie Chen's an actress. So how is this going to work if they're coming on? Because it's filmed live. This was not filmed like Bachelor or Bachelorette months ago. This is filmed now like it will happen live every week. Yeah. And, and plus, keep in mind, too, there's games. There's trivia games and other games that go on in the show. There's there's vote off competitions and stuff surrounding how that works. Um, to 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 find a winner for the game so that you can say who has the powers to do X, right. Y, that's that's written. That's all written. And so and then you have set designers and uh, you know people doing construction and people doing the miking and you have directors and all that other stuff involved. It's it's a production. It's a real pro Hollywood production. And so, but everything I'm hearing right now is it's coming out and it's you know they say it got delayed for like a month or so. It's, I think they're saying it's coming out in August and they're stretching it out actually because they don't have other content. So they're trying to stretch it out to like November or past. It's, it's, it's really crazy to see. And the only thing I can think of, I mean, so Julie Chen, you could say she's an actress. I don't know if she's part of SAG, but the, her only thing she's ever done is be herself on this show. But she is also married to Les Moonvest, the head of CBS. So I'm sure she's not in the mindset of helping the SAG or Writers Guild. She is sticking with her husband on this, and that might 
exclude her, you know, from, you know, so she'll in the, in the industry, the term is a scab. Um, And so I think she would, she would be a scab uh, as far as she's, she shouldn't be hosting because most talk shows, most game shows aren't going on because all of her stuff is written. She's reading off a prompter every time she's on live. Clearly, too. That's why they call her Chenbot, right? <laughs> yes. She, yeah, I mean, that's a whole separate discussion we can talk I'm a Big Brother fan, too, myself. But um, it's one of those where, yeah, I, I think that her motivation, she could give a shit, right? And, and just so that we're clear on definition, Scab is somebody that should that's in the union and should be picketing, but crosses the picket line and does work that's, con- that's, that's uh, basically contrary to what the union... It's 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 kind of weakening the union's position, right? Because it's crossing the picket line. Um, yeah, I I don't understand it because again, it's not just her. There's a whole thing. I mean, but maybe maybe this is the start of AI shit. Maybe maybe because again, this is like the 25th season of this stuff, and they also have all the British versions of it. Maybe they just dumped all those veto competitions into the robot and said hey come up with a new veto competition maybe maybe that's what's happening here for the writer's side of things and it's then i'm curious like during the credit sequences of like if it's going to say ai computer for writing or something like that i don't know i hope so i think that would be amazing if it was like <laughs> zingbot wrote the whole goddamn thing right it's like the zingbot <laughs> but like somebody writes zingbot somebody writes all of these like characters that come out and you know mm-hmm. make the house crazy and then you have the announcer announcing things like you said of the veto competition and stuff like that and so i don't i honestly don't know how that's happening because with bachelor and bachelorette and bachelor in paradise all that was filmed already months ago so they already had that in the bag but as of right now, Big Brother is a live show shown three times a week. And it is it is live. Not only, not only that, they're doing 24-hour live streams online. Yep. So it's like, yeah, you're having the production of three times out, but also you can go to the app or on the online and watch them going constantly. Yeah. I don't know how that's gonna work. I'm very curious because I love Big Brother and I want to watch it. I'm just curious on how that's going to go. And so now with SAG joining the writers, I, you know, I'm 50-50 on it. Like part of me is like, oh my God, the actors joined. Let's say the directors join at some point. And then you have like nobody to really promote or do anything for the movies. What, where do you go from there? Like 50% of me is like, Oh, they're going to, they're going to come to an agreement finally. And then other 50% of me is like, they're going to wait till after the first of the year to do something. But there's nothing that there's nothing that's happened so far that changed my prediction that it's going to be in 24 when this, uh, I think that again, I'll highlight, I think the actors guild joining the writer's guild is the best case scenario for the writer's guild. And, but that being said, even if the director's guild joins, I I don't know, right? I think that the Directors Guild may have, because if they are going to do this AI thing, I think that the Directors Guild would still be necessary to a certain extent, um, or directors would be necessary. But um, I, I be, again, I'll highlight here, I've not seen it come to it, because again, nobody's taking care of each other. 
nobody's thinking about because the, the writers are focused and, the, and the, the the striking unions are focused on hey i want to get back in there to make good product for you to go sell and so therefore just meet these what we're defining as somewhat modest uh improvements and let's all get back to making art and right use and the other side of the table is like, I don't give a shit about art. I just want to make sure we're making money. And, I, and let's see if we can figure out a way to make money without it. Like, that's why they're looking at streaming. They're looking at all these other things. You know, Disney's kind of like, hey, do I diversify or do I shrink my portfolio down? Everybody's, everybody's looking at it from a business lens and not from a, how do, how do I make art? And I think that that's, we got to figure out how to bridge that gap if we're going to solve this. Because business will find a way. That's business's job is to make money in the end, yeah. right? In a, in a capitalist society. So yep. they're going to figure out how to make money. And and the thing is, if they're if if you're blocking one path, like I said, if they're just going to view it as a supplier issue. And if this supplier um, is no longer an open channel for me, I'll find a new supplier. Yep, that's how it is. And it's, and it's weird and it's affecting award shows because the Emmys have been announced and Emmys have always been in September. Now they postpone that to January. Mm-hmm. So even if that will happen by then, I don't know. But no award shows, no talk shows, no. I'm curious on what a lot of the actors will do. Like, are they get? I mean, they can do a podcast, but they can't talk about movies or stuff like that. They're gonna have to talk about something else. I mean, Seth Rogen kind of did a great thing earlier. You know, prior to all this, he started a you know a business of pottery and stuff like that so that's going gangbusters right now but i'm sure i'm curious on how many more businesses will see like that or if the sag stuff and the writer stuff uh, pertains to overseas let's say a lot of actors and writers go to japan to make movies or to ireland to make movies can they get away with doing that and get paid i don't know well that's the other side of the equation too arts artists will find a way to make art yes right and so the thing is, and, because it, 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 in certain respects, I would argue that art should be confrontational and should be art and business working together is somewhat conflicting, right? Because I think that business, by what it is, can tend to center around, it, it, you know, there is disruption, but it tends to center around conformity, especially when you're talking about like public businesses. The idea is to try and gain the largest level of mass appeal to a certain extent so that you can yeah. broaden your customer base and broaden your product base and get up more out there. Where art is very much like challenging all of that, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that the, they find fun little middle grounds here, but I'm... I think that this is a disruption and I think that both sides should find a way to make their magic outside of, I think they should come to a resolution. I really hope they come to a good resolution that works for everybody. But at this point, I would say, focus on how do I, how do I eliminate the need for the other party? Right. Business business is already doing that and the artists are not. Correct. Well, the artists are holding out for the better wages because what are they going to do? They're in a union I don't know what all the legal stuff is. That's not sold by studios. Right. If you can make a living, because that's the thing right now, from a negotiation standpoint, the studios know you need me a lot more than I need you. Figure out a way to balance that leverage a little bit more. 
say, hey, I have a way of making money and selling my shit, and I don't need you studios. So now what are you going to do? You need me more than I need you. It would have to be like a YouTube Vimeo thing of people making stuff on YouTube and being like, this is on YouTube. It's going to cost you, you know, my Patreon or YouTube or something like that. I don't know. I don't know either. It's like, you know, that's what is that's what I find is enticing about all this thing, though, because these are really creative people and creative people will come up with shit that I can't come up with. I'm a business guy. Right. And it's like I, I envy creative and artistic people. I want to. It's something I'm extremely jealous of and try to nurture in myself. But it's like. That out of the box thinking is what, you know, when I have those moments, I I really cherish them. And I, you know, I'm hopeful that they can come up with some. It's like, yeah, because all we're talking about is existing media. Right. It's like do it on YouTube or Venmo. Or something. Come up with some new shit that nobody even knows about, you know, and figure that out. I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an app or, you know, you got Seth Rogen in his pottery slash weed business or you have uh, stand up comedians are going and doing touring stuff. Maybe maybe that's what maybe all of a sudden you just have a touring company that does plays all over the goddamn U.S. Right. And that'll bring people back out to some theaters, too. I don't know. Right. It's like theaters convert themselves into stages and then you have like a touring company of a play that kind of comes through or something. I don't know. You know, just something crazy that doesn't exist right now is is. I don't know. That uh, that would be crazy. That'd be crazy. All be right. Awesome, right, though, it's like if you had like a touring company of seeing some amazingly good actors come like two nights only in your town and they just kind of do because basically right now they're doing like a six month tour around the world for all this poor shit. It's like, what if you said, hey, you can do three months where you're just traveling around the U.S. or around the whatever. Right. I mean, it could be something. I don't know. Again. Somebody more smart or more smart, more smart, more creative than me. Come up with it better, more better. Right, right. I agree. Um, I, yes, we'll leave it at that. We have three more fun questions, not about the strike, not about AI right now that we're going to bring up. Uh, three fun questions that Wade came up with. Uh, one of them is about Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, the director, is a local Texas guy. Um, you would think he was from France or England by his movies, but you know him from Bottle Rocket, you know him from the Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore and Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou in the Grand Budapest Hotel and the Fantastic Mr. Fox and his most recent one, Asteroid City. He's got a lot of stuff, he's got a lot of movies, but he has one thing in common with all of them. They all look visually stunning and crazy and weird. And the question that was posed that we're going to answer right now in debate is Wes Anderson overrated? Yes. Yes, 100%. Wes. I, I, here, here's the challenge. So many people I love, love him and love his work and love his art. You, I think you're in that group, right? I'm definitely in that group. And I find... This, this is a, a little bit of a hot take, but I can say with almost 100% accuracy, I, there, there's a debatable here. You, I might flip one or two around. The movies in order of succession, in order they came out, is how I would rank them. That they've gotten, each successive movie has been progressively worse than the one that preceded it. And it's just like, what Bottle Rocket, I liked. And everything else has gotten shittier and shittier and shittier. Because Bottle Rocket, at least, I mean, 
it, it got into this weird, what I think what people, and I'm curious for, because I want to really hear from you, what do you like about it? But I think, first of all, let me just, before I get into that, what do you think of my take there? That it, the best was Bottle Rocket, and then every movie thereafter wasn't as good, and they kept getting worse and worse. I disagree with that. Um, I do disagree with that. My take on Wes Anderson, I, I, I said this recently in a publication that people like James Cameron, people like, um, like Christopher Nolan and Wes Anderson have such a big ego now they have become so far up their own ass that they forgot how to tell a movie or show a movie and i think wes anderson's in that i think wes anderson with bottle rocket and rushmore he's telling a narrative with amazing characters and great character arcs and stories and then with royal tannenbaums which i love royal tannenbaums i think it's one of his best films um, along with Life Aquatic and um, the Darjeeling Limited, there's a certain um, aesthetic and visual presence that overshadows any story or character. Even though I think those movies have great character and stories, now it's evolved into let's just show my weird visuals over anything else the narrative the acting the performances all dry doesn't matter it's the visual thing and i think he's just he's become like so engrossed with himself in that style that he forgot what to do is to tell an, an entertaining movie but i still say he's not overrated though i think you made my case perfect i i, I was going to i was going to mention multiple facets that you touched on there that this desire to make this little diorama, a screenshot, and on each frame, and this music box, little shoebox play thing that he's got going on here, it looks like it's fun as shit for the actors and crew to make. I, I, I'm not going to doubt that for a second. I understand why the people keep coming back to want to make movies with them, because it looks fun and silly and interesting and cute. But the whole thing is, it's trying to be cute and visually interesting more than content interesting right and and it's not to say because i don't put christopher nolan in the same bucket at all like i do agree to a certain extent about crawling up his own ass but i still love his work um the where i'm at though is that like yeah i, I again bottle rocket what i loved about it was the characters and i loved some of the dialogue there but it but bottle here let me put it a different way bottle rocket was the most was of all his, let's see if we can agree on this, because maybe how I'm viewing it is slightly different. Say it's, instead of saying they get progressively worse, let me say that they become progressively less grounded in a real world that you and I can recognize. Right, no, for sure, because in Bottle Rocket and maybe a little bit of Rushmore, they're, they're based in reality, whereas starting from Royal Tannenbaums on, they're more fantasy-like, like the the again the the style and the tone is, is like you're living in a fantasy world which is fine with me i like it i think royal tenenbaums grand budapest and darjeeling and life aquatic has amazing excellent characters and stories and narratives but he mixed those movies so well with his own artistic visual approach 
that after that minus maybe fantastic Mr. Fox, it's just, it's hard to get through. And it's just, it's just straight visuals. Like what can we make to look pretty in my version, but leave everything off. And then you have all these amazing actors coming in, you know, most recently with asteroid city, Tom Hanks, along with everybody else he works with, which they all come back for. I mean, it's like a rite of passage to be in a Wes Anderson movie or a Tarantino movie, but at what cost to the audience, you know? Well, it's like Scorsese has his own crew too. The people that he likes to go back to and go back to the well on things, but keeping it on Anderson for a second here. It sounds like everything you're saying sounds like you agree with me. Why are you not saying he's overrated then? Why, because again, where where is the love coming from? Because I agree with everything you're saying. So why do people love him? So like, I, when, when you say overrated, that? overrated to me means that they're not good at what they do. Over, no, overrated in the sense that I think that the accolades and the passion and the love for the person outpace the ability it's just like i think you you know i mean on a much shittier scale you could talk about like all those crappy movies that i love and that we should get back into at some point where we can talk about really crap movies um but the whole point being that one of my how i define a bad a bad movie when i'm doing those sorts of discussions is ones in which the vision of the of the film makers um exceeded their ability Right. And here I'm going to argue that that's what's happening with Anderson to a certain extent, that his his desire for the aesthetic has so has been so consuming. And the cuteness of the thing is so consuming that it, it that it takes that the story and to a certain extent, the character takes a back seat. Yeah, they suffer. It suffers from his visual ego. So Absolutely. And so then, but if, if Wes Anderson, then, but he keeps getting all these amazing talent and he, he's going to get another movie greenlit. No, yeah. With another movie. So, but, but that's my point. It's like, he's overrated. It's like the, all that shit, it shouldn't be greenlit. You know, it, it, it shouldn't be greenlit. It should be challenged and been like, you know what? You know, it kind of goes back to, hey, maybe, maybe, directors should should stop there i mean there's another director that i love that's like hey you should make more than 10 movies you know because then you know it goes down after that right and it's like one of those where maybe but that's maybe not true either who, who who's who, do we have somebody in like their 70s and 80s making movies better than when they were in their 30s 20s score says he you think his recent shit's better than his early stuff i th i think wolf of wall street is better than most of the movies that he's made prior the fuck off of this podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> and the Irishman was so good too. Are we, we we're doing snap challenges and not the drinking thing, right? Right. I know. I love casino. I love good fellas, but I think all of those movies are better. Go back further. No, I think those are better than Taxi Driver. I think that's better than um oh shit, the Lamada movie. Um boxing. Yeah, Raging Bull. Raging Bull. I think those are better than that. What the fuck are you talking about? You're you're trying to tell me the Wolf of Wall Street is better than Raging Bull. Yes.
He's easy, easy, easy. Woosa, he's trying to calm down right now. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that, right? <laughs> that because again, we got to circle here. Let's put a pin in this shit because we got to come back to it because we're talking about Wes Anderson right now. And I'll go off the goddamn rails right now with this conversation where you, <laughs> sir, just got me fired up. <laughs> here next next talk we're doing scorsese talk right we're gonna get into this because like that's I, i've i've never we've never had this discussion before okay i love it anyway so getting back to wes anderson i'm Easy. all red in the face right now my blood pressure shot up 10 points <laughs> <laughs> the so so basically though if we circle back for a second here so is is there or let me let me put it this way is there anything that wes anderson made after rushmore that is better than rushmore i mean you say royal tannenbaums is better than rushmore royal tannenbaums is better i think royal tannenbaums is his best film i i i'm gonna go back and try and watch it again it's like i i got through it once and every time I've, and it was hard because I keep wanting to punch out of it. And just like every one of the, like, I haven't made it through a lot of his movies. Like I'll put in like 10, 20 minutes on Zizu and I love Bill Murray, but it's like, get out of here. I'm done with this. I got to punch out. And I love Bowie too. Cause it's all Bowie songs, right? Yeah. Like that's how everybody try all my friends and loved ones try to get me to watch this stuff by trying to sell it to me. Like, Oh, Hey, you're like X, you're going to love this. And it's like, and I, I just, I can't because it's just this, desire to be cute and it, it's like I'm, i'd rather watch you know this let's just watch an episode of bluey why are we i disagree i think we revisit royal tannenbaums to start out and i think you being immersed in that and really paying attention open your mind to it i think there's so many great jokes and really dark humor in that movie and there is such a good heart and soul and emotion in that emotional tone in that movie that ugh, it's so good. But, but I, I, I'm sure. Right. But it's like, I'm going to make a weird comparison here, but I think it's going to draw the point out. Um, I could almost give the same description to clerks. It um, does. I agree with clerks. I love clerks, but, but clerks is real and clerks <laughs> is raw and it feels like it's grounded in some place that I've been and understand and know. And I don't have to travel to a goddamn, what is, what is it? It's like those, what are those little, oh, my little golden books or those little books that you read when you're a kid that have like the little gold spine on them. I think they're called my golden books. That's what his movies feel like to me. Where right. But stuff. clerks, but okay. So clerks, you're, you're making a weird comparison here. And so clerks was made by a guy that maxed out his credit cards of $20,000 couldn't film in color, made a black and white movie, just two people talking. He couldn't even do the audio and video. He had to just like do long cuts instead of edits to do the audio. That being said, if you took at Mallrats, if you look at even Chase and Amy Dogma Clerks too, so much fantasy-like elements that would never happen in those movies that are very what you're talking about. Agreed. And I wouldn't make the comparison, but you made the description of talking about how it's raw 
and dark it has these underpinnings there and all that stuff and i was like that's how that description is how i would describe clerks right it does have all that and so my point being that uh, i think that it's you know i've never drawn this comparison in my head before but if i want to explore that sort of story i'd rather watch clerk uh, clerks is a superior movie to fucking uh royal tenenbaums boom okay all right it's a better movie and you're right that it was made on a shoestring budget I, again and i like the weirdness of ben stiller and gene hackman and all that stuff and you know you can't the actors are great i'm not shitting on the actors and stuff right i think that they're great but the story and the the character development and the aesthetic just i i it, it's it's the same when somebody says they don't like kevin smith movies for those same reasons i get that too Right. Where it's like all the cursing and all the bullshit and all raunchiness. It's like, I get, I get it. It's not your flavor. Um, and it feels too, to me, I don't, I'm not trying to draw the comparison, although I keep circling back to it. Then maybe that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Like, you know, sometimes I'll say, are you a Stones or a Beatles person? Right. Because in the end, even if people say I like both, to me, you end up falling into one camp or the other. Right. Right. And it's like, to me, maybe that's how I'm kind of, I'm not trying to create that, but let me think it through because maybe I am, where it's like you're... Well, how about this? How about this? For next for next show, for the next episode, do some homework, watch Royal Tenenbaums in full, fully invested, and come back and say that you still feel the same way or that, hey, I actually kind of like this, you know, some 20 years later. I'll do my best to try and get all the way through it. Just get all the way through it. It's hard. It's worth it. It's not. It's absolutely not. But I will for you, for the people, for everyone out there listening right now, I'll do it. This is just I you know, I'm gonna take this as my punishment for having the the tastier snack today. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I like it. Uh We'll we'll find out next week if Wes Anderson is still overrated in terms of wide. Uh, we've been doing this for a little while. Let's save some of those questions for next time. Um, yeah. But, you know, we brought up something I'm curious about. Uh, I like that. If Are we we talk about movies and TV a lot and music, but you brought up something that's really cool about books. Are you reading any good books lately? Is there a book you want to suggest to people? I actually am. I read mostly um, nonfiction books. Um, you know, I, I'm a nerd alert. I read a lot of stuff on business and self-improvement and self-development and leadership and those sorts of things. Also negotiation and strategy. It's a, a but one of the books I read recently that I found fascinating, and I, I'm going to throw it out there because I'd love to hear other people's take on it, is a book called The Gap and the Game. And you can also get this on audiobook. And I almost would recommend, because I try and uh, do mostly like reading on like a, you know, I, I do a lot of reading on uh, e-readers now. But um, this one I got on audiobook for one particular reason. And I actually found that on the audiobook, they did little side interviews that weren't written in the book that actually kind of expanded on the chapters even more. So... This is one of those where if you're an audiobook person, absolutely check this out. But what it is, it's called The Gap in the Game, The High Achiever's Guide to Happiness, Confidence, and Success. And it's by Dan Sullivan. 
who's like a, a leadership coach. It's been around for forever. And uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And here, here's, here's the concept in a nutshell, is that basically high achievers tend to set um, goals that are really aggressive. And it's like, hey, I, you know, whatever it is, like I want to own my own multimedia network of movie and entertainment business analysis and do all this stuff like, like yourself. Um, or I want to, you know, I'll just use a generic example. If I want to make a million dollars by the time I'm 40 or something like that, or I want to be on the 40 under 40 list in my city or whatever. Um, but, and, and that's great. Right. And, and, but what they talk about is, is what can be demoralizing and can be frustrating is then you measure yourself against that goal that you set for yourself. Right. And what it says is basically keep those big, aggressive, audacious goals and go after those goals. But when you reflect on yourself and you measure yourself and you measure measure against where you started, think about think about where you were when you set that goal and then measure your progress up to now. So it's instead of measuring the gap between you and your goal, measure the gain that you've had from where you're at today and where you started. And that simple concept that's flushed out in this whole book really flipped a switch in my brain on how I look at the world and how I look at myself. And as I kind of remind myself on things about, because I do, I set really big goals for myself and then I go after them. And then when I don't hit my goals, I get really frustrated. And instead, if I just kind of took a moment and said, okay, where was I six months ago or two years ago? Or where was I when I was a teenager? Or if I could tell myself like where I'm at right now, what would they think of that? It, it, when I pause and have that moment of reflection, it really kind of it it, it was a it was a moment of change for me. I, I would say that it's a pivot point in how and, and and I the more I lean into that, the more I can kind of treat it as a pivot point in my brain. Does that kind of make sense? Am I explaining it okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna say like with all this leadership and reading about this, what you leading right now? What are you leading? I. <laughs> What what is it you do here? Everybody <laughs> asks me that throughout my career. What is it you do here? Because I have a very diverse and generalist background. I have a a lot of range, and basically, what I do is I everywhere I go, what I try and do, and lately for the past like six years, I've been focusing in on expanding the capabilities of high growth companies, um, where they're in the middle of like kind of hockey stick growth and and because of my diverse background and, and range, I try and help people improve at all the intersection points between finance and operations and legal and business and supply chain and procurement and all that stuff. And so I basically try and see what I can do to help teams get in negotiation, right? It's like one of my backgrounds is in negotiation. So I help teams get better deals done in a better way. I also help people... Um, create scalable um, improvements when you're in the middle of a, a high growth situation. Okay. Sounds kind of exciting. It sounds more exciting than it is in real life. It's a lot of like grind work, to be honest with you, but. I mean, I almost fell asleep. You talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Well, I'm glad that I, you know, basically put this on at night and then just let me just 
soothe you way straight to sleep, everybody. Right, he did, but it changed Wade's life. <laughs> yeah. Good night, motherfuckers. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah. So it's one of those where I mean, I'm uh, gonna come in like a first grader here with my book choice, basically, right now. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I, I I am super curious. Like, do you do you fancy yourself a reader? I read a lot. Do you do you are you a reader? You read more than me, but I do read. Okay. Like, uh, but we definitely do not read the same things. What do you read? So I'm gonna recommend a book. It's okay. by Grady Hendrix, and it's called The Final Girl Support Group. And basically, this is a book set... Uh, so in horror movies, there's always, like, a final girl, and there's, like, one girl left standing. So all of them that made it through the movies, like in a world where Friday the 13th and Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street are real... Uh, this is what happens after they have a support group and then all of them start dying one by one and they got to figure out what's going on. So so this is kind of the the tournament of champions of people that made it through the like like Sydney from Scream and Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween and stuff are all in this group and then all of a sudden their the group starts getting murdered. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's awesome. And this is a novel by What's the name of the author? Again? Grady Hendrix. It's the same guy who did my best friend's exorcism, which is basically the exorcist and the breakfast club mixed. Um, he did horror store. He did. Um, he has a new one too about um, haunted house real estate, but yeah, this is a, a, a real life final girl who survived a massacre and uh, she's meeting up with all these people and trying to figure it out. But uh, check this out. Grady Hendrix is doing good stuff and fun stuff. I like that. That sounds fun. The final girl support group, Grady Hendrix. Are we starting a too legit book club? Not yet, but maybe we should <laughs> put it in the pipeline. Yes, that's what we should do. It's good. It's going to be a combination of like manga and self-improvement books. It's going to be. <laughs> that's what you should do. That's what you should do. All right. Our last segment on Too Legitimate Podcast right now is our unfiltered signal. It's the it's the part where we give you a movie or a TV show or a, a song or a music video that you probably went under your radar. We want to we want to send that signal out to you and suggest watching it or listening to it. So wide, what is it this time, bud? So I'm not super tapped into the thing where I don't know if this was a thing, but I found out extremely recently that they're bringing back Futurama again, and they're bringing it back on Hulu. They did. They brought it back. I have watched it, and it is so goddamn great again. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I am loving it. It's It's like one of those where it's evolved a little bit since some of the previous stuff. But it's like one of those where it's great. And it reminds me of why I loved the show to begin with. And it's, but it's still trying to kind of do some new and relevant material. It's not just rehashing all the old stuff again. It's, but it's, it's being respectful of that past, but still making fun of it a little bit too. And I'm loving it. So if, if you're like me and you were a big Futurama fan and you weren't aware there's new ep there's a new season up on Hulu to go check out. Check it out. New Futurama. It's so great. It's wonderful. Loving it. 
Yeah. How about you? What do you, what do you got? What is something that I don't know about that I need to know? So there is a show on Netflix that I had heard of, but I had not watched and I didn't really know anything about it. I was told by some friends like this is the thing. And so the second season of this show is coming out next week or the week after. Um, And so I went back and watched the first season and the show is based on a comic book and it's called Heartstopper. Oh, I haven't heard of this. So Heartstopper, and it is a British show. Um, There's about eight to 10 episodes in the first season. And the second season will be eight to 10 episodes. They last 20 to 30 minutes each episode. It is the sweetest damn show in the world. Oh my goodness. I have fallen in love with this show. It's called Heartstopper and it follows um, present day um, high school teenagers in love um, and in falling in love. And it has a lot of gay themes to it. Basically, um, it follows two guys. One's on the rugby team. One is openly gay and the it's their friendship that blossoms into a relationship. And it is so good. It's basically like the sweetness of Ted Lasso in a high school British setting. And and this is a scripted show or is this reality show? I'm, I'm no, it's a scripted show okay. um, based on a comic book. Um, and oh, it is so like you come out of every episode just feeling so happy and sweet, wanting to be great to people. It's so good. So it's like heartwarming. So in this time of all this crazy, challenging world that we're in and all the conflict that you see. It's it's something to kind of that Ted Lasso warmness in your heart. Yeah, Heartstopper. It's called Heartstopper. Uh, and it's a real quick watch. I think you'll really like it. I love that. It's yeah. awesome. That's it's very good. good. And again, we're going to have to keep going to the well here because I have a feeling based on some of our earlier conversations, we're going to need to find content for these folks. We will. We will. We will. There's it plenty will of you. content out right now. Hopefully, we will have all of this content still. Um, but we are two legitimate podcast. It's July 29th, and that is wide Davis over there. You can find him online. If you see him in Seattle, if you see him in Kent, buy him a beer. Buy him some spicy nuts. Everybody, it's like we did the damn thing. Brian Kluger, tell everybody where they can find you. There's so many goddamn places. High Def Digest. Boomstick Comics. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Threads, we Twitter, got a Instagram. Out where we're putting out the snack time videos. If you haven't checked the, <laughs> yeah, you follow these little mini videos of snack time on YouTube and on Instagram. They're really good. Do not buy smoked licorice fish though from Sweden. Yeah, and if you find some of these, you know, corn soup chips, go ahead and enjoy yourself. But everybody, <laughs> take care of each other. We love you very much. We'll see you on the next one where Ryan's going to make me fucking crazy again. Too legit.